0: We'll be reading tonight from Genesis chapter 8, verse 13, and I understand that we are kind of getting in on the middle of the action. However, as I mentioned before, the whole story of Noah and the flood, it takes up four chapters, so there's no way to read it from beginning to end as a main text like we normally would. We'll start in verse 13. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dried. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Get out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, Birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, took every clean animal, and of every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, shall not Cease. And now drop down to chapter 9, verse 8. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, As for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you, and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, every beast of the earth with you, and all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you, Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said that this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud. It shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And it shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth... And the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Well, we know that the flood came. The flood came, and there were 40 days and 40 nights of rain, in addition to the fountains of the deep which broke up, and, of course, the subterranean water that came forth. For 150 days, the water covered the earth. Where did it drain away to, somebody might ask. Remember, this morning we spoke of the fact that the Fountains of the deep were broken up. There were major geological upheavals, geological evidence supports this. Also, in addition to that, at the proper time, there, were the, there was the lowering of land levels. Now, there's geological uh, evidence and archaeological evidence of this in that in around some of the major seas and some of the major uh, ancient lakes, down in the bottom of these seas and lakes, there are ruins of cities. Ruins of cities that at one time are high and dry. And we realize then the water had to go somewhere. God made a way. Remember, we're dealing with God. He made a way, and therefore the water had somewhere to go. It took 261 days for the water to finally subside. That was some kind of quarantine in the ark for Noah and his family. But Noah stuck it out. And some of the most beautiful words in the Bible, I think, are found in chapter 8, verse 1. After all this began to happen, Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. God Remembered Noah. Now we might take it that this is the first time that he remembered it. But however, this whole story is about God remembering Noah. Number one, he remembered Noah to warn him of coming judgment. He remembered him. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God remembered Noah and he warned him. He gave him a plan of action and it was detailed. He didn't have to fill in many blanks. God gave him the design. He gave him the dimensions. He gave him, of course, the course of action for the animals. And God helped him do what he couldn't do on his own. If you remember this morning in chapter 6, verse 20, did you catch this? As we read this, as God was giving him the instructions, he said, of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, And of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. Noah didn't have to go out and round up the animals. They came to him. Who did that? God did that. And then the fourth thing is we realize God remembered Noah personally shut the door. In verse 16 of chapter 7. Those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Now, the door was the weakest part of that boat. If the door failed, the boat would sink or the ark would sink. God wanted to be sure that that was done properly. So he said, "Uh, Noah, I've got this. Let me shut the door. Let me make sure everything's safe when it comes to that door. So God personally shut Noah in. God remembered Noah. Long days on the boat, I'm sure, on the ark. Long days stuck where he couldn't go anywhere and do anything. May have wondered how much longer this was going to be. God had his eye on him at all times. No matter what you're going through and how confining life situations may be for you, God remembers you too. And then God remembers us. And he gave us two tokens. And the two tokens, what we want to look at tonight of God remembering us. In verse 22 of chapter 8, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, shall not cease. God remembers us in that he gave us a token that he was removing Cain's curse on the ground. He cursed the ground for Cain's sake in chapter 4, verse 10 and 12. And then we realize in verse 21, he says, I will not curse the ground anymore for all flesh's sake. For the, for the curse that he placed on the ground for Cain, we understand he said the earth will not yield for you. But we realize he removed this curse. And of course, the token for the fact that he removed this curse was the season's. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, spring and fall, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, shall not cease. Now, it's quite remarkable. We take the seasons for granted. However, the seasons in and of themselves are a miracle. The earth tilts on its axis 23.4 degrees now we understand of course the seasons come because of that tilt. And some times of the year it's tilted away from the sun, the northern hemisphere, some times of the year it's tilted away from the sun, uh, toward the sun, sometimes away from the sun, of course on the sides. This tilt gives us the seasons. Now scientists have done some studying on this, and many climatologists and many scientists realize that without the seasons there would be very little variety of life on the planet. To support life as the planet does, it takes the seasons. In fact, it's possible that life wouldn't exist at all. If this tilt was just a few degrees one way or another, this would not happen. Also, the only way we can have uh, predictable seasons, relatively predictable, is the sun, the earth revolves around the sun in a circular orbit. We take this for granted. Every other planet has an elliptical orbit or an oval-shaped orbit, which tells us sometimes they're close to the sun, other times they're far away from the sun. We could not live on a planet like that. The fact that we circle in a circular orbit and have just the right tilt is a miracle that God has put all things in place for life on the planet. How? Does the circular orbit and the tilt of the planet maintain itself? The moon helps. So the moon's involved in all this. Look at all the moving parts that God put in place so that we could have seasons. And he said the seasons were interrupted for a whole year. You remember the floods were on the earth. The seasons and the normal rhythm of life were interrupted and ceased for a whole year. And God said while the earth remains, the seasons... Will not cease. So let's look at the seasons. It's a beautiful token. Springtime. I suppose any given winter, we're always looking for springtime. This winter, above all times, we're looking for springtime because more did we have a winter this week. Springtime. The cold and darkness of winter is gone. The trees begin to uh, bud and bloom and there's new life. Trees look dead. Plants look dead. Then all of a sudden there's life, there's greenery, there's flowers, there's things growing. So we realize springtime is a very beautiful time. And to some people, that's their favorite time of the year. But you have seed time, but then again you have harvest. That's the autumn time. The Jewish people celebrated the harvest and the autumn. From October 15th to October 22nd, they had the Feast of the Tabernacles, this is uh, mentioned in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 34. And it talks about the feast of the tab for a whole week they gathered. They built little booths or tabernacles or brush arbors to remind them of God bringing them through the wilderness. But it was a harvest festival. It was one of the uh, major festivals of the year. So we realize it was beautiful for them, but it's also beautiful for us. A lot of people take a trip during the fall to look at what the beautiful autumn leaves. So understand, the autumn has its own beauty. A lot of times during the autumn, if you'll be outside at a certain time, you'll hear the geese fly over. It doesn't matter where I am or what I'm doing. If I ever hear geese, I'm stopping. I'm going to stop and I'm going to watch them till they go out of sight because it's such a beautiful rhythm of life. The autumn comes, the leaves turn, we realize that this is a favorite time. Winter is beautiful in its own awesome beauty. Now, all of us, I'm sure, well, many people in South Arkansas always wish we, if we could only have a snow. Well, I hope you're happy because we did have a snow. And the snow is beautiful in its own way. I'm going to say it's beautiful like pancakes. You go to the International House of Pancakes, you order a big stack, you're all excited when they come. Then, after you're about halfway through, you're not that excited about them anymore. Then, before you get through with them, you might be tired of them. That's the way pancakes are. That's the way this snow is. But I think we can all agree it has been beautiful. And winter does have its own beauty. And summer, of course, time for work. Time to watch things grow. Time for things to be put up. Of course, the Proverbs say you watch the ant during summer. And watch how the ant takes care of the opportunity. We understand summer is a time for work and opportunity. The psalmist in the 148th Psalm says this. Psalms 148, verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all the depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling his word. "...mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted, his glory is above the earth and heaven. Fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, all praises God." And the token he gives us here, the beautiful changing of the seasons, and we all know that each season changes and it gives us something special. It's always a change. It's always a welcome change. Then he gives us this, day and night. Now we look at this, and that doesn't seem to impress us, but we have a 24-hour day. A 24-hour day is in itself a miracle in that if the earth rotated slower, and you had a longer day and a longer night, they would do too much uh, temperature variations. Climatologists, scientists, they all look at it, they all agree, if you had a longer day and a longer night, life on the planet could not subsist in the way that it does. It just wouldn't happen. If you had a shorter day and night, that would mean the planet was rotating Faster, And it could not sustain life rotating any faster. God put the planet just in the right distance from the sun at the right tilt with a circular orbit with just the right rotation to be able to support life. All of these factors could never have happened in and of themselves. So the fact that God says the seasons and the day and night are tokens of my love for you, he was right. And it's something that only he could do. But then we go into the next chapter. And he says, here is my other token, the rainbow. The rainbow is brilliant and beautiful every time. We see rainbows off and on all of our life. But I've noticed if a rainbow ever appears, it is so special and it's so pretty. On Facebook, everybody's got a rainbow picture. Why is that? Because it's always beautiful. It's always pretty. It always cheers us up. And God said, this is my token. No doubt there had been rainbows before because he said, I will put the bow in the cloud. But he says, every time you see a rainbow, when a cloud comes up, I'm reminding you, I will never destroy the earth with a flood again. This was important in that what would happen the next time there came a thunderstorm after the water subsided? people would panic. They would think it was coming again. They could not function for fear. God did not want humanity to live in this kind of fear and panic, so he put the rainbow in the clouds, and he said, every time there's a rainbow, it's a token of my covenant with you. But notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, every time I see the rainbow, or you see the rainbow, humanity remembers the covenant. That's not what he said. Twice he said, I will remember the covenant. In verse 15, I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow will be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every creature. So God didn't say, you better remember the covenant. God said, I'll never forget the covenant. I'll always remember it. God didn't depend on us to remember the covenant. God said, I'll remember the covenant. He said, and the rainbow as pretty as it is, and the seasons as beautiful as they are, they're just tokens of something far more beautiful. You know, the wedding ring is always pretty. There's various shapes, various configurations, some with stones and some don't have stones, but wedding rings are always attractive. But what's even more attractive is what the wedding ring symbolizes it symbolizes a commitment, it symbolizes a trust, it symbolizes a love, it symbolizes a life together. The wedding ring is very beautiful, but it's just a fraction of the beauty. Of the relationship and so if the wedding ring is beautiful and the relationship is so much bigger than the ring look at the tokens seasons the changing of seasons a rainbow in the cloud look how huge they are and God says these are just tokens what I'm doing for you is far greater you see the meaning of the tokens is this God remembered Noah. God remembers us. God put the earth together for us, and he reminds us with every passing season. He reminds us with every rainbow. He'll remember the promises he made to us, and he remembers his mercy to us. That gives us peace as we go forward in uncertain times. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the story of Noah and the flood and the ark, we thank you it's more than just a story. We thank you it is indeed true. It is real. A lot of unanswered questions. A lot of details we don't have. But I thank you for the details we do have. Thank you for grace and mercy available to all mankind, for salvation, and, Father, for the fact that you remember us. You see each and every one of us. You know each and every hurt. You know each and every fault. And, Father, you still love us. So, Father, we rejoice in that love, and we ask as we see the seasons change from winter into spring in just a few days that, Father, we would remember it's just a token of something far greater. Remind us of these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and may God bless.